0: Amen. So where we left off um, two weeks ago in Acts was chapter 9. We went through verses 32 through 43. And it's a, a foundational piece for what we're going to go through here in all of chapter 10. And the reason I say that is, as you see the power of the gospel, you see this, this healing. And then you see this, this raising, this resurrection. And it, it's Peter who is getting to see this. It's Peter who's proclaiming and being the one who's performing the healings by the power of God through him. So the power of the Gospel is being established. And you would say, why is that important? Peter gets talked to three times all the time, and he's always being corrected. He's always being told about the power of the Gospel. Why, why is this part foundational? Because it's leading into chapter 10. So Peter's just felt and seen the power of the Gospel, and he cannot forget it going into the situation he's going into. Now we can relate to this in our own life. When Sunday's worship was powerful, we're singing out battle cries because you know uh, Nelson's is telling us about this battle cry, and we're singing it out. We're lifting up a joyful noise. Um, we're we're just belting it out. the The word was good. Our our fellowship was good, and we're like, wow, the gospel is real. God is is real. Monday comes around and, and we're still kind of rolling, we're still on that high, and then Wednesday comes around. You're halfway through the week and you want to choke your coworkers. Your kids are driving you crazy, and you're like, the gospel is not real today. And we start to have these these laps, like uh, this lapse of judgment. These these moments where we're we're falling in and giving into our flesh and doubting the power of the gospel. So it's important because what we see is, is Peter's pretty much walking out of church service, right? He's just ex- and I mean that by he's experiencing and seeing the power of the gospel and then comes in here to chapter 10. And our main point this morning is that the gospel doesn't discriminate. The Gospel church does not discriminate. Now this isn't going to be some super woke thing just on skin color. Church, this is at the heart. This is, this is to the people that you don't like. And it could be skin color. It could be because of, of the music that they listen to. It could be your neighbor who seems to blow all the leafs onto your property and you'd like to go out there and have, give him a piece of your mind. It could be anybody. But when it comes to the Gospel, there's nothing that gets in the way of us Faithfully and boldly proclaiming the truth that saves. Amen. There should be nothing, that no one should ever reach that level where they hit a threshold with you where you're just like go to hell. Like I, I don't care if, if, if God would damn you for eternity. We should never hit a place like that. And particularly here, the the wall is being torn down and the gospel is being extended to the gentiles who are once considered unclean so let me give you a little bit of a background here about uncleanliness it'll be real brief but before we get into our three supporting points i want to lay this out here for us so we're talking about unclean foods uh pastor mark um, read a little bit about that and talking about the uncleanliness and you have these unclean foods it's going to be important here because peter's going to have this vision about these foods and to to eat okay So first we see that, and that comes from Leviticus 11. You can read it from Leviticus 11 through about chapter 13. You're going to read about um, that law, the Levitical law of unclean food. But then we see here in this chapter, we're reminded of the unclean people. That the, the people who opposed God and, and did things that, that Pastor Mark was saying that separated, this was a distinction that those who followed this were followers of Jesus, right? For us today, those who value this and, and, and uh, read it and delight in it. It's not a, a true sign. It's not the sign that you're saved, but that's something that the saved enjoy. So there's unclean people set apart as opposing God. For instance, we're going to read about Simon the Tanner. We see that Peter is already being worked on because he's staying with this Simon the Tanner, who would have been considered unclean by the Jewish people because he dealt with dead animals and made them into leather. Then we come to an unclean place, Caesarea, and the Jews hated it. It was the Roman-occupied area of Israel. And we know about the division between Rome and, and Jerusalem. We know about Israel's uh, uh, tension with the Romans. So they hated it. These were people who didn't like God. They didn't like them. They didn't like that they were in the space. And then you have Cornelius, another character, who is the captain of the army in Caesarea. We'll read that they actually liked him okay, but Tony Marita talks about how Jews with God-fearing men, devout men of God, Who weren't actually believers, and we'll get into it. They kept them at arm's length, right? Like you, you can come this close, but that's it. Like I trust you as far as I can reach you, right? Like that's it. You get any closer, we're not hugging, we're not high fiving, we're social distancing. Okay, like that's what we're gonna do. That's how they felt about them. They're like, you guys are so unclean. Let's social distance. So that gives you a little bit of a background about the uncleanliness. Now, as we progress through this text, uh, thinking in our heads with the gospel. Not discriminating against anyone. We're going to look at the work of God, the Word of God, and the worship of God. The work of God, the Word of God, the worship of God. And that will drive home the main point that the Gospel doesn't discriminate. Point number one, the work. Look at the active work of God. Look at how God is actively working throughout creation. Look at how God is actively working in and through His people, His bride, the church, right? Look at how God is actively working and displaying His glory to non-believers, even through creation. And they see that truth. They see the working of God and they suppress it. Now, the truth here is that with the, when, when it comes to the work of God, we've got to take a step back and look. Because how many times have we, maybe even this week, have been like, well, God's not answering my prayer, and He's not at work, He's not active in my life. When we get further removed from the situation, we can look back and be like, He's pretty active, all right. He was answering my prayer, it just wasn't the answer I wanted. But ultimately, God's will was done, and my life is better because of it. Church, we must first acknowledge that the work of God is indeed going on all the time. Look at the active work of God here. Chapter 10, verse one and two, verses one and two. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what is known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. Now I want to stop there because we're talking about this, this unclean man, but it says he's a devout man. Now a devout man doesn't mean saved. Now, I believe that this is something that we really need to begin to grasp here in the United States of America today. Look, I'm from West Virginia. We call it the Bible Belt. Uh, you go and you plant the church, which we were a part of uh, twice. We helped plant a church and we helped plant their campus. They were multi-site for a little while. We got to do that. And the one reoccurring thing was, doesn't everybody here around here, buddy, believe in God? Like, Jesus? No. Are there, are there some religious principles? Are people going and attending church? Are they being baptized? Are they going to Sunday school? Are they checking all of the boxes but not believing in Christ Jesus their Lord? Yeah. You, you don't believe me? I mean, you can look. The proof is in the, the pudding. Look at the, the churches being planted in, in West Virginia. Look at the churches being planted up here. And people with religious backgrounds, Christian backgrounds. Some of you have been at at churches for 10 years and have come here and told us, I didn't know that Genesis really connected to Revelation. I didn't know it was one unfolding, redemptive story and plan that God had before the foundation of the world. I didn't know that any of it connected. Being devout, let me put it this way, being religious does not mean you are saved. Tony Morita says, the gospel isn't just for the irreligious people, for the religious people too. So often we, 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 we quit talking with people, right? We'll, we'll feel bold enough to talk at, at Cool beans and say, hey, you know, like, are you a believer, right? Somehow we get there. Some of you don't start with that. I also don't recommend just starting with that, like walking up to someone, hey, are you a believer? Uh, sometimes it works. Maybe if you're led, ignore what I said. It's fine. Go for it. But you know, you start out name, like, oh, hey, you got a Browns, a Browns fan? Oh, you got a Steelers fan. Do you, do you know the Lord? Like, you know, like, how are, you, how are we connecting with people, right? And then what happens is they say, yeah, I'm a believer. And we're like, oh, cool. Just done. But we could ask them basic questions like, do you go to church? Oh, you're not a part of the church. You don't believe in the church. Did you know that God has gifted you to be a part of the church? And that He's given you your church family and your, the pastors of the local church to equip you for the work of ministry? Did you know that He's given you your church family to care for you, to weep with you, to rejoice with you, to love on you, to pray with you, pray for you, for you to pray for them and weep with them? So on and so forth. And we just let it go just because, yeah, I'm a believer. What does that even mean in 2021? Are you just identifying as a believer? What, what is the plan here? How are we engaging With people. Well, look at the work of God on this this devout man in verse 3. It says about the ninth hour of the day, this is a, a time of prayer, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called, in, uh, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So this is his vision. Now we go on to Peter in verse 9. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. It's the time of prayer. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat This happened three times and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. God is setting the scene. He's working out His will. He's working on this non-believing, God-fearing, religious, but not saved man. And He's working on saved and sent Peter to go out and to proclaim the Gospel to Him. Now the symbol here is related to the unclean foods. And praise God for it, because it's real, we can eat bacon again. Amen? Right? There's only, I, I just don't do pot roast. I got a couple head shakes from the guys. Like I was trying to think of a, a meat that like, I would say no to, uh, Pastor Mark was talking about uh, some other meat, alligator meat. I know that it's legal because you say you get it at Giant Eagle. They don't want to say any illegal meat you're buying. If you're buying like black market shark meat or great white shark meat, um, we'll cut that out of the, the sermon audio when we, when we post it. But we, we love meat, right? And you know, for, for Peter to be denying it, he's serious about the implications that he sees as wanting to follow God. Wanting to be set apart. Not to be considered unclean. But when we understand back in chapter 9, the power of the Gospel, you understand that everyone is cleansed through Christ if they repent and believe and are granted faith by the Holy Spirit. That is the truth.
1: So he's dealing with this. God is is
0: setting the scene. He's, He's staging it all out. So this vision goes to Cornelius. Peter also has a vision. Now Peter's vision has to do with Leviticus 11. Again, you can read Leviticus 11 uh, through chapters 13. You have food restrictions. And these restrictions had always been a dividing factor for the Jews and Gentiles. It had been something that set God's people apart. It distinguished them. There was more to it that we could go into. But this was a dividing factor. But guess what? Jesus also talked about these foods, this idea, the Levitical law, right? You go to Mark chapter 7, it'll be on the screen, verses 14 through 19. It says, and he called the people to him again and said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand. There's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Clean. So Jesus talked about this. Jesus showed them that everything was being fulfilled. There are still things, and, and we should value the Scriptures, all of them, even the things that have been fulfilled. We should look to them. We should study them. We should believe in it. We should understand the history and the implications of it. But Jesus fulfilled and overcame and was showing Peter that this had more to do with food and was also going now to the Gentiles with the Gospel. i read that verse. And think how happy I am that that food is expelled Uh, the Dubois family tried to warn me about a hot pepper and they said you do not want to eat it and Chris is like whatever you do don't chew it up swallow it when someone tells you that what's your pride say I'm gonna do it I mean I'm like oh I'm thinking about like in sermon prep I'm thinking about the passage we're coming to and I'm like good thing that goes in and out and we're done but Jesus didn't come for just our actions. He came for our heart, which changes everything. But when we do things on our own motive, it's, it is in vain. It is not God-honoring. It is not God-glorifying. And Jesus
1: is busting down this wall of division.
0: Verse 17. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what this vision An upright and God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation was directed by a holy angel to send for you and to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guest. The next day he rose and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And uh, And on the following day they entered Caesarea, Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Why you sent for me? You see, Peter had been perplexed at what this vision was. What was going on? What God was up to? What what is God working up at this moment?
1: And Peter gives an
0: account and he hears. He hears what's going on. Cornelius tells him. Peter gives his version of the vision. he, He came without objection. Notice that it says, Um, You know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with a person of another nation. But God has shown me not to call any person common or unclean. And there's people there. Cornelius has invited his, his friends and his family, his relatives, to come in and to see what God is up to. Now we take for granted a lot in our prayer life What what we're praying for. Like when we're going, like to be praying that God would would use this opportunity and would begin working on the recipient. See, we should pray for God to give us the wisdom and the boldness to go, but we should also be praying for God to be working on the other person. And notice, they didn't see these visions and I saw a dream and it was an angel of a light and I was saved. No. God is drawing them. I'll get there. Look at what happens. All here in the presence of God to hear what you have been commanded by the Lord. It wasn't a dream that he went out and he, he just ma- tried to make sense of it. No. It was seeing the work of God in his life and being drawn to the Word of God. Point number two. For Peter, it was, it was seeing the work of God and being drawn and, and sent and empowered and, and to preach the Word of God. You see, when we see the working of God in people's lives, whether they're already a believer and we should be encouraging them, or if they're not a believer and we should be pointing them to repent and believe in the Gospel, regardless, the work of God leads you to the Word of God in some way, shape, or form, as it should. And here, it's a good reminder that faith comes through hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. Peter was now going to go and proclaim the Word of God. Peter takes the opportunity to proclaim the Gospel. Peter doesn't just sit there and think, oh, this is, this is you know, pretty cool. We had the same dream last night. Really, really cool. You want to go to the, the bar and have one? No, he takes the opportunity to share the Gospel with him. How many opportunities have we been praying for and we miss because, oh, they said they were a Christian and I didn't press into it. Or, someone says that they're having a bad day and we don't seek to give them some kind of hope in the Gospel. If it's a believer, encourage them in the gospel that saves them and sustains them. If it's not a believer, point them to the good news. I mean, what hope do we have if we're not sharing the gospel? What hope do we have if we don't believe on Christ? You know, we, I, I got to go to um, Brother Don's uh, mom's viewing this past week, and it was a good reminder that and seeing the family and knowing that she went home to be with the Lord because the Lord had saved her, there was a sense of peace. And it reminded me that great encouragement, to to encourage one another in the gospel that saves. It's it's important to encourage one another in the gospel that that Betty, his mom, believed in. But it's also a reminder that, that if someone doesn't believe, what are we telling them about? And especially if it's our enemy, if it's someone we consider clean or unclean, why are, we not, why are we letting our little petty divisions keep us from sharing the truth? Now again, this is not a black or white matter. Say you know someone who's totally pro-abortion, and that just makes you sick to your stomach. Some of you already got sick. And you're like, nah, let them go. Look, we will all give an account. But you will also give an account for not sharing the Gospel. You will also give an account for being silent in someone's time of need. The Bible does not give room for partiality. It does not give room for favoritism. Look at what Peter... Peter opens up his sermon saying this in verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. James 2 verses 1-4 through talks about this outward appearance, but not showing favoritism. Now, this is dealing with outward appearance, right? This is, but it, it goes to the heart of what we are doing and why we are doing it. Are we only serving people who look like us? And I'm not talking just about skin. Even people who wear the same clothes as us. If we, if we go back to West Virginia, are we not fitting in? just because people talk a little bit differently, live a little bit differently. Let me tell you, do life with people at our church and you'll understand that people come from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different political parties, whether they're still there or not there, but God is radically saving and changing and sanctifying His people. So our favoritism should not keep us from sharing the Gospel. Our look at their sin should not cause us to fall into our sin of not sharing the Gospel. It's like, you all, have you ever been to like a family event and you're like, ah, oh, Aunt Jenny's here again? Who invited her? I just, if I could just come to one party where Aunt Jenny's not here, I'm just so sick of it and she brings the meatloaf and just not about it. And then I have to be reminded, it's not my party. I guess Uncle Bill still likes Aunt Jenny. It's not my party to be inviting people to. It's not my party to say whether. Uh, they get to come or they don't get to come. Let me tell you, church, the kingdom is not ours to decide who comes and who doesn't. It's an inheritance that we have through Christ Jesus that we get to enjoy in all the riches and we get to go and proclaim of all the goodness. Calling people to repent and believe. Being reminded that we too are unclean without Christ. I mean, look at look what Peter did. Peter lifted him up. They fell at his feet back in in verse 26, and he lifts him up. He says, stand up. I too am a a man. When we go out to share the gospel, remember, we're probably that aggravating person to other people. Who shared the gospel with you? What were their thoughts about you before you knew Christ? There's no room for partiality. Paul says that God is not partial. Um, He is, is impartial. And if that's the truth here in the New Testament, It's the truth in the Old Testament. God has always been and always will be that way. Not partial. He is saving a people for Himself, and He's calling His people to go and to proclaim the goodness. Continues on, shows us Peter's message. He tells him, he says, He opens up almost in repentance. Truly I understand God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. As for the word that He sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with Him. And we are witnesses of all that He did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Receives what, church? Forgiveness of sins through His name. Peter preaches the Gospel just as they had been commanded. His understanding because of the power of the Gospel by seeing the work of God had led him to proclaim the Word of God to people he once deemed unworthy of it. He goes and he proclaims The Gospel message. Let me proclaim it for you this morning. Jesus Christ died on the cross. His blood was shed for His people. That if you repent of your sin and believe in Jesus, you will not be put to shame. Amen? That's the message we need to carry forth. That's the message that if anybody needs to hear it, it's your enemy. If anybody needs grace in that moment, it's us. Because we're so agitated about their way of living and their way of thinking that we need to be given grace and we need to be shown mercy so that we can go in by the power of the Spirit and proclaim the Gospel and look to see God work as God works. You see, seeing the work draws us to the Word. And there's two applications here. One for the believer, proclaim it. And proclaim it without prejudice to your enemy, to your friend, anybody, everybody. Go and proclaim it. If indeed you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you've been saved. Go and proclaim the Gospel. to so the non-believer this morning, receive the Word of God. Repent of your sins and believe in the Gospel. Plug into the local church. See what that looks like on a daily level following God. What does it look like to be saved? We can talk to you about that. But the proper, the proper understanding when you see the work of God, you're drawn to the Word of God, it leads you to the worship of God. Because everything that we do revolves around glorifying God's name. It revolves around giving God the honor, giving God the glory, praising and worshiping our God. Point number three, to the worship of God. We were made to glorify God. Your enemy that you hate was made to glorify God. They just don't know it. And one day, they will. Because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But at that moment, it's too late. But God will
1: get His glory. But look at what has happened. God has been at work. God has Saving people through the proclamation of his word. And then it leads to worship. 44 through 48. Peter's in the middle of
0: his sermon, right? Like middle of preaching. I'd be so flustered if this happened. Like, I didn't even get the point three and a half yet. Like, what are we going to do? It says while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard. The word. Now this means they were saved. We believe that this is baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were saved and the Spirit comes upon them. They are believers at that point. There are a lot of people who heard this, his relatives, his friends. And now listen to this. And the believers from the circumcised party who had come in with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. So they are now witnesses that the the gospel has moved from Jerusalem uh, to Galilee, to to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The gospel is going forth. The wall of division is being torn down, and people outside of the Jewish faith and community and practice are being saved and radically changed forever. For they were hearing, in verse 46, them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water? for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And He commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Him to remain for some days, So they were saved and then they were baptized. I want to hit on a little bit of a note here. Why don't we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ? An important note. We believe that the mode as, as we've been commanded was, is to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, we need to, to grasp the doctrine of the Trinity better. We believe that Peter is preaching to people who believed in the Father and the Holy Spirit. They needed to confess Christ as Lord. And church today, we need to confess Christ as Lord in our life. We need to properly worship Jesus as part of as a person of the Trinity, our Savior, our Lord, who died on the Christ or died on the cross to pay the price for His people. Without confessing our sin and believing in Jesus, we will not be saved.
1: And look, they saw the work of God. They went
0: to the Word of God, the Gospel. They're saved and they're baptized. They're worshiping. And they asked Him to remain for some days, meaning they wanted to be discipled. They wanted to know more. They were hungry. Ben,
1: you can go ahead and come back up here. Church, what a sight. People we once considered unclean being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. What if your enemy, the person you
0: couldn't stand, turned and gave their life to Christ and turned away from their lifestyle, was sanctified by God? We should celebrate and long for the moments that we see in 44-48, through 48, that people are being saved, that God is actively saving His people. And then worship properly leads us back to the Word and leads us back to the work. Like when you leave here this morning, you should be drawn back into the Word. And this shouldn't be the only time that we're in the Word of God. We should be drawn to the Word of God to go and to proclaim it, to go and to read it, and go and live according to it. And to go and actively look. And how God is working.
1: And then it turns around and it leads us back
0: to the Word. And it leads us back to the worship. This is an ongoing thing. But church, do not be mistaken. There is no partiality in the Gospel. We are not God. We do not get to decide who goes and who doesn't. We are to go and to proclaim the Gospel. I'm going to end here. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians. 3. I'm just going to read this. It will not be on the screen. Just listen closely. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the Gospel. Church, we've got church family all across the world. This is our local church, and it's important. It should be a part of your life. Well, we come from different backgrounds. Eric Mason says it best. The church is like a bag of Skittles. You dump it out, and that's the church. Different colors, different areas, different flavors. Worshipping the God of the Bible, living according to it, and seeking to make known his name. So if you're a believer, how are you going to go and proclaim that truth? And who's that person that's been in your mind all day? What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that conviction? Are you going to go and share this week? Or are we going to sit back for another one and then another one and then forget that the Acts 10 ever even happened? If you're not a believer here today, now's the time. Hear the word. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. Christ Jesus died on the cross and shed His blood for His people. If you repent of your sin and believe in Him, you will not be put to shame. Come talk to one of the pastors after. We'd love to talk to you if you have questions. Church, let's go. Go and proclaim the truth. And and one way that we want to proclaim the truth, we're we're going to have child dedications here in just a minute. We want to proclaim the truth to these kiddos. We talked about it a few weeks ago. We never want a day to go by where these kids don't remember being in church and being a believer. That's what we long for in these kids. So we're going to have that after this song. And if you all would, just go ahead and stand. We're just going to sing. Sing of God's goodness. Let's sing of, of how God is actively at work in His creation. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning and thank you for this time that we've had. I pray that as we go this week that, that your name would be exalted. I pray that we would live according to your word. I pray that we would, we would seek out your will. We would pray for your will to be done in our life. And Lord, I, I pray particularly right now for the kiddos. God, I, I pray that we would see the importance of it. God, we, we don't just value life inside the womb, we value it outside of the womb. And as Christians, we value to see these kids raised knowing your word. Teaching them Your Word. Together, coming alongside of these parents. For the saying is true, it takes a village. We're thankful for our church family here and pray that Your will would be done always. Pray all these things by the power of Your Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's sing.